Hey y'all, I'm Moni and you're mixing with Moni, okay? Welcome to my weekly mixer where I take your favorite Bravo shows, TV news, and hot topics, mix it with my opinions and some of my friends' opinions, a little shade, and sometimes a cocktail or two. I'm bringing in my POC perspective to shows we all love. Let's mix it up. Hello, 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 all you beautiful and wonderful mixologists out there. It is your girl, Moni, and you are mixing with Moni, okay? I am back, okay, honey? I'm back. Um, Yeah, things have happened. I lost my voice. I run a children's camp. The children have joy, but Moni has no voice. And it's not to say that this voice is here and that it's better, but it is established and it is tolerable (laughs) so no bad reviews nothing bad's gonna happen because you can hear me and I am audible so we're very grateful and this is me at the end of the week I actually recorded this week's episode again before even losing my voice this much with the amazing Zach Peter he knows all the things he gets all the tea amazing insights and scoops on all things housewives bravo reality tv and everything else Else. We talk his new wine line. It's inspired by Housewives. It's amazing. I'm not paid to say that. He didn't ask me to say that. He didn't send it to me before we recorded just so I could say that. Like, it's just really good. So it's a very honest telling of my experience with this wine, literally saving the last can. Um, but we had a great time talking that. New York, we got to get through the hard part, rip that bandaid off so we can get to Beverly Hills, the slash smiles, the sudden breakdowns, the trigger words of it all, the semantics of it all. We had to get to that fun stuff. But of course, of course, first we had to get through Roni. And, you know, I've been able to save up some words about it since I haven't talked about it in a while um, for a few weeks. So now this episode, Salem, nothing happened, but I had a lot to say. And Zach had some really great insight as well. I'm very excited for you guys to experience this. So coming up next, Zach Peter from No Filter, the podcast, and his new wine label, also inspired by the same name, No Filter. It is Zach Peter, and we're going to talk all things Housewives this week, right before Potomac. I cannot wait to record about Potomac. Oh my God. Oh my God. Oh my God. Um, In the meantime, check out the Patreon for the uh, true telling of what happened my night with Crystal, the housewife from Beverly Hills. Um, That'll be a thing this weekend as well, giving people time to catch up and get to that. Um, Of course, Bachelor, Bachelorette, I'm covering that on the Patreon as well. There's also merch if you want to help me pay for hashtag this damn wedding. You can also literally buy the merch and (laughs) shout out that hashtag specifically. And I will feel all the joy and all the feels because again, very appreciative for the wedding. Love a nice wedding, even for myself, but it is absolutely hashtag this damn wedding. And that's where everything is going to. So Patreon, there's merch. Um, Thank you for your support. In the meantime, enjoy this episode with Zach Peter. And let's get into the boring stuff first, because Roni, I don't know how this is y'all's fave, but we will talk about it and then break that down. And then, of course, some lovely Beverly Hills, because I actually think it's doing really well this season. 
and um, origins of Housewives and other shows on the Patreon. First episodes of everything coming up very soon. I'll be doing another one. I'll be doing some catch up. Thank you for your patience um, on Patreon and these episodes. But we are back, honey. We are booked. We are busy. The calendar is filled. So go on and get you some subscriptions and go on and turn on your notifications. And let's get into the mess. Coming up next, Housewives. All right, guys, as promised, I am here with the amazing, amazing, talented, funny, and adorable Zach Peter. He hosts the podcast No Filter. It's it, it has no filter, so it's great. Like every time I see one of his IG stories or something come up on the feed, it is full of insane amounts of information, hot takes, and a lot of things that like nobody else is getting. He gets great press, and he has also a new business venture that is it's going to blow your mind because it's probably one of the best things that I have done for myself this year so far, and that includes um, getting engaged. Welcome, Zach. Hi, how are you? Hi, Moni. I'm doing great. How are you? I am doing great as well. I am very excited to have you here. We're going to talk all the things. I love uh, your coverage of Beverly Hills this year. And it's very important to me that you're here because we were just talking offline. Sadly, it's the only thing I'm enjoying. Like New York is not it. It's just not getting me there. I don't even know like what to like, I, I just last night as I was watching Roni, I just kept like thinking of like the Bethany gifts of like, I would rather eat glass than participate in this conversation right now. Yes. I, I'm going to go to sleep. This is wake me up when this is over. Like all the, the Bethany one liners about how disinterested she was. And like some of the, the scenes when she first returned to the show were yes. all of my moods watching just this entire season, not even last night's episode, but just the season over. Overall, it's lacking storyline. The cast has no chemistry with each other, even Ramona, Sonia, and Luann. Like they've known right. each other for so many years and they don't even have chemistry with each other. 13 years, they said. And, but yet we started the season with them saying that they didn't even talk to Sonia like for until they started filming. And I don't know, I just never expected the, the Roni cast to be the ones that only talk at work. Like we've, we've expected, we've, have come to accept and expect that from other franchises where they only mm -hmm. get along at work, but they also know how to rise to the occasion. We see that a lot with the Atlanta women. Um, we see that, especially with the Potomac women or uh, even sometimes Beverly Hills women. I mean, granted, three of them or whatever are currently at Teddy's 40th birthday party. They really mm -hmm. want to make her happen again. And it's just not happening, girl. That is fetched. Like that is not no. clicking. It's not, a, it's not a yes. But it's just, we never get it with Roni just because they've never acted like their coworkers. They've always acted like we're the, we're viewing their life. Like we're peeking into their friendship and everything's an inside joke. Like truly, truly, it's different. And we'll obviously get into it when we talk in New York. Uh, but I have to ask you off top, do you miss Dorinda? I'm seeing a lot of what are we doing here without Dorinda means. I don't know if she necessarily would have made it better, but I certainly know it could not have gotten worse. 
It could not have gotten worse. I miss Dorinda, but I also don't miss Dorinda, if that makes, makes sense. I think like Roni's just reached this point of fatigue of like the show needs to change or evolve. similar to like OC. Like at some point you need to change it or evolve it or reboot it or pivot it in some way. Otherwise it just becomes stale. And I feel like Luann, Sonia and Ramona, all three of them came into this season and we're just like, we're just going to phone it in. Like this is a good show as it is. We know what we're doing. We're just going to like ride through it and now we're seeing that like you can't have women that are willing to just yeah. come right through it like you need to bring it i do miss dorinda in the sense that like i feel like there would at least be a little more zing or spice maybe a little you know beef with leah mm -hmm. something or even if she would lay into ramona a little bit more like something you know especially because if we we're going to go politics dorinda was also very vocal about her politics when she was on the show and being very pro hillary in the last election that i think there would have been a bit more of a political dynamic that that could have sparred with ramona in a way right. that ramona probably would have engaged a little bit more or just yes 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 because dorinda also um i hate to say because i don't like i I mean, it's Ramona who creates this kind of like classist system on her own show, but Dorinda in Ramona's eyes is at least on her level yep. in a lot of ways and she respects her as that. So if Dorinda was going at her, I actually even see Dorinda being more of an ally to Ebony because she can even lay into her a little bit more of like, you're not listening, here's the things you need to understand, blah, blah, blah. And I think Ramona actually would have listened to her A, because she respects her and B, because she's on her field she's on yeah. her level in her mind so it, she's it's not going to come from you know leah and and ramona is too afraid to engage with ebony because she yeah. and, and you know and it's something that i've noticed i understood immediately why ebony even told us like you are not as fragile as you think yeah. you are a strong like woman because Ramona, no, she's not weak. She's just so afraid of getting canceled because of whom she surrounds herself with. I believe they may not have the same um, vigor to them where they think they can withstand being canceled or whatever. And they're always talking about something that's a little bit more um, being politically correct, blah, blah, blah. And Ramona likes to go into that world so much that when she revisits us over here in Housewives, the land that made her, she sometimes forgets that why she was casted. Yep. And it was because she was very strong mouth. She uh, was very opinionated. She was not nearly as, when I rewatched the first episode, because I'm rewatching first episodes of everything from my Patreon. And the first episode was so much, she would speak a lot about her being super conservative and raising Avery conservative, but she would counter, contradict herself. Because she would do things when she kissed her friend on the mouth and she threw the, they threw each other in the pool and they were like dancing crazy yeah. with, hey, with her fiance she, or her husband. And they were flirting with each other's men. Like Avery was the police of that, of those parties right, and stuff. Right, right, right. Ramona was a wild girl. So it's like, she is not nearly as like contrite as she is, that she likes to say that she is. It's mainly who she hangs around when she's not on the show. And I think that's where the chemistry is getting lost is that her social life off camera is now so much more important to her to maintain than the relationship she has on camera, which is how she got this life at all. Exactly beyond true faith and all that like that doesn't matter to me you i always say i wish alex mccord was here because everything alex wanted to be she would have became if she had stayed on the 
I know. I wish we would have kept Alex too, or at least brought her back at some point. I mean, now she's like in Australia and Simon looks like a a bloated blowfish and he just like looks like he had he had one too many beer and tacos and just didn't recover from it. He had like a really bad hangover that just never left. Um yeah, I can't disagree with that analogy <laughs> at all. It's a very vivid description, but that is what it, it, it lands very safely at that place of Simon. Well, speaking of hangovers, which one you will not get, because we need to talk about this 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 business venture that you have decided to go into. Zach, I think you have a calling. I do. <laughs> I think that um, much like our housewives who have tried to make many a drink happen, few succeed. Um, I think literally one has succeeded and i mean we i don't even know if we can call it succeeded anymore because skinny girls like kind of like you know it's it's on the the, the out sometimes it's at marshall's yeah it's, it is it is at marshall's except the total wine and more which i do love a total wine and more but girl like you're not making any money off of it then but something that is worth investing please tell us about your new wine venture your rosé it is the best thing I've ever poured into a glass. It comes in cans, which makes it even easier to ship by in bulk. Oh, honey, buy more, buy more and more and more. You're saving the planet because it's easily recyclable and you are not getting hung over because it doesn't have sugar. Yes. So I, you know, as you know, Moni, I love a good drink on a good Monday through Sunday night. And here at the mixer, we also love a good drink. So I, you know, have always wanted to create my own alcohol brand. I remember being like 19 years old and like investigating vodka distilleries to create my own like skinny girl before. I don't even think skinny girl was around then, but it's something I always wanted to do and just ended up falling on the back burner as my podcast kind of came and took precedent. But recently I came across a really great brand called Elix that I decided to partner with to create a housewives inspired rosé. So I designed four fun cans around four of my favorite like iconic housewives moments. So we have I Stole Kim's Goddamn House, which is from the season one Beverly Hills finale. I'm Ready to Flip a Table, which is from the Jersey Table Flip finale. Um, Now Tell Me Who Gon' Check Me Boo, which was from Sheree on Real Housewives of Atlanta. And then the fourth can I designed was I'm Ready to Mention It All, which was the Bethany-Ramona fight where Bethany Mm -hmm. told Ramona to mention it all because Ramona accused her of doing softcore porn. Open those legs. Right. That is what you will maybe want to do when you drink this. So there are four... There are four fun cans that can really either be housewives watched while you're watching the or consumed while you're watching the show, or they can just kind of, for people that aren't housewives fans, just enjoy them. If they're like, I, when I drink, I'm ready to mention it all. Or when I drink, now tell me who go and check me, boo, because I'm going to get in your face. So whatever vibe you're feeling, you can drink it. It's a one light, crisp rosé. Uh, less than a gram of sugar or there's no really no sugar. once there's less than a gram there's literally nothing in it because that's how I don't like a hangover but it's still 12.8 percent alcohol so it's going to get you litty oh stuff. honey that 12 decent <laughs> that first can that I drank without it being hard on me like without you know what I mean like without those because you know you have your other brands and we won't mention it so you know but y'all know who I'm talking about like where there's some they're so high in sugar. And so the headache is immense. You sometimes get the headache almost immediately or while mm-hmm. drinking it. But also 
you get drunk so fast you cannot enjoy it you know what right. i mean like this is something that y'all know i'm running a summer camp this week i have my boys hallelujah that's why i'm back um i am taking care of almost 100 ch- small children under the age of six so <laughs> there are plenty of days that i come home and it's the first thing I do after my shower is pop that on. And then I maybe put on clothes. Sometimes I do, sometimes I don't. It depends on the day. And I will just open it, have a beautiful dinner. Like I can eat food with it or not. I can have my snacks. I can have dessert. Sometimes I'll drink it after dinner. And it is just, it's not giving me too sweet to wear. Like I, can, I have to limit it to one time of day, but it's also refreshing but it's in a way of like oh I know this is going to take the edge off of me and slowly I'm able to sip it it's not a lot it's a small can but yeah. for that percentage honey ooh, well, you no, don't need much I always more. tell people one can is equivalent to three lover boys or two white claws and it's small yes. enough to like you can sneak it into your uber you can sneak it into the movie theater like they're constantly Nobody knows no what it is. It's not this big. It's not this big white, you know, bulky white claw can that everyone can recognize. It's small. Yes. It's discreet. It's strong. You know, it's just it's it's a can because most people, you know, when you have a pool, you can't take glass out. So when you're drinking wine, instead of taking a, a glass bottle, you have a cute little can. You drink it. Yes. You toss it. You don't even you don't need, need a drink. tumbler. You don't even it need a tumbler. It's easy to keep those cold. Keep them in the fridge. I do. I'm down to my very last one. And I, I, I need to re-up. Can you please tell me and everyone else where they can get this? Yes. Please. I'm going to actually want to type as you <laughs> It's nofilterwine.com. I made it easy for everyone. So the podcast is no filter. So I made it nofilterwine.com. Super easy. You receive it within a week. Usually, yeah, usually people have them like within a couple of days, like it gets there so fast and you can stock up. And right now we're, I'm doing a, a giveaway for anybody that sends me a pic of them drinking the wine and tags me. I'm going to enter them to win another additional 12 free cans that are on me that I will send out. So People yes. are gonna enjoy this all summer long. I am on the, the wine shop com. page. I hit no filter. And here I am. Y'all, and it's the so- other thing too is people, I want people to understand that four cans, because they come in eight packs or 12 packs, four cans is equivalent to one bottle of wine. So you're buying like two bottle or three bottle packs, essentially. Because I remember one woman is like, I was trying to order like eight cases and it was really expensive. And I'm like, yeah, because that's like 24 bottles of wine that you're trying to order. So like pace yourself, especially when drinking, because since the can is small, some people were like chugging them, which I think you even started chugging your first can mm-hmm. and I, was like, I did the first time i learned my lesson don't hate do that yourself. they are very strong no they're very strong you can get a variety pack i'm literally ordering one oh right God. now um a rose variety pack 12 pack is 59 dollars, y'all that is that you would spend more on a bottle of wine on one bottle of wine yeah that's and three so, bottles right there exactly i am this is like not sponsored zach did not ask me to say this i genuinely and I'm, I, everybody says this when they do any, when they speak highly about anything. I don't like rosé. I don't. It's the only alcohol I do not like. I will drink it if it's a, when it's available, but I don't like it. And this one, I'm buying it right now because Aww. it really does get the job done. And it's not super sweet. And I think rosé sometimes for me has always like towed a line where it doesn't know what it wants to be. I'm like, are you as sweet as a Moscato or as dry as like a shard? And I like to know 
where my white wines stand and mm-hmm. the pink throws me off and the flavor, it all just throws me off. Like I'm a Prosecco, I'm a dry Chardonnay, a Pinot, I, I'm that girl. Same. So yeah. rosés have usually got me too sugary, not enough drink, uh, not enough drunk, but enough hangover. And I'm yeah. like, I missed it. I missed the train. It's not fun. Somehow I'm a hangover and headache, but yet I didn't have fun getting here. Because most like rosés have so much sugar in them. Yeah. I was like, no, don't load it with sugar. Put a little bit of bubbles in there. That way you feel a little fancy. You get your I heather to grow on and you're, you know, you're having a good time. Yes, and you don't even feel like you're doing much. Like it's it's a nice afterward thing. I get up every day at 6 a.m. and go back to the children. So truly understand you can drink this weekend or- I thought you were like, I'll wake up at 6 a.m. and have one with my coffee. I was like, wait a minute, no, listen. you have the children to look out I for. I say, I can take it with me, but that one, I don't know how that will end. But maybe I'd be, they'd be more tolerable. We don't know. We don't know. <laughs> okay, so y'all, we're going to take a very quick break and we will be back with Roni and Beverly Hills. All right, y'all, I am back with Zach and we are going to talk Roni simply because we already started. So we might as well get into it. I mean, it's, I say that proverbially because there's nothing really to get into. Nothing happened. We went to Salem and, um, that's it. <laughs> Truly. I mean, the most, ex- I said to you offline, it's like, honestly, like I get people being like, well, no, I really don't care how people feel about it, but I understand you don't want to always be confronted with the woes of what other people who are in front of you or near you or around you or friends with you experience. And that's truly your selfish, you know, um, prerogative. But if Ebony was not talking about race and if Ramona was not offended, I, I think we would have zero things to talk about. There is nothing else happening on this screen. Like the longest conversation we had was about tattoos. Tattoos. I I don't give a shit about Luann's fose. Like I don't know what the hell that is. But I'm not drinking. Like that sounds like it's gonna give me a hangover, and there's not even alcohol in it. Um, it sounds like grape juice. It, right. I don't care about fose. I don't care about J.P. Morgan versus Wells Fargo and home loans. We've seen Sonia get drunk and cry about this. 20,000 times on Roni already. Um, what uh, Heather, uh, Heather Thompson and her podcast that was stupid. Like, Leah really tried to drag that out to look for you know some sort of excitement yeah. to bring onto the show. Like, nothing that we've gotten so far has been entertaining. That talent, that pageant show, I don't know what, what that was, was that? for Sonia's four interns. Like, what the hell was that? Like, what no, was thank happening? you. The paint party. Oh my god, Garth is. Curry. We talked about that damn lamb curry for so long. I love lamb and I love curry and now I don't want to eat it. No, I don't want to. Can we just say Garth is not hot? Like, I don't know why we kept yeah, trying. What are you talking that. about? I was Listen, like, no. Luann is one of the horniest women I've ever seen on TV. Like, she does not give me enough. We... The OJs have to go. I'm sorry. They they just do. Like, there's nothing there. There's no story. And I think that the thing is about Real Housewives, even if you are not married, which is part of the, you know, the title, it used to come with the territory, 
there used to be something there for us to unravel, uncover, yeah. discover. And it's crazy to me that you, even Sonia saying, you know, well, um, and I want to ask you if you think Sonia is stirring the, the cauldron, as Luann put it this episode, um, because she was saying, you know, Ebony wanted to show us who, what she is and what she's about. I mean, to be frank, I'm like, I've known who Ebony K. Williams is for a very long time. She's not, she's probably the only recognizable name in this group, especially before Housewives, like beyond Housewives. Like no one would ever just equate her to Housewives because she's super uh, popular. She's been on TV for years. So it, her platform is not new to me or anybody else who, you know, watches the news or knows about her work, but also Sonia being like, she's just trying to show us who she is. And this is part of who she is. She's on this mission to make it a better place because she was answering ladies' questions of her being too preachy or teachy or blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, at least she has something to teach or preach or say. There is nothing for you all to do. You all have nothing here to add to a conversation other than saying you don't want to learn. And I'm almost like, if you didn't want to learn anything, then what would you do? I mean, true, serious question. If we were not at the Harlem Renaissance party, what other party would we go to? If we, were, we didn't go to her voting party, what are we doing? There is nothing to do. We can't go to Ramona's house and just paint forever and listen to sultry music that makes her her way. Like, I don't know what else to do. There's nothing else here for, uh, Leah can't even fight with anybody. There's I nothing. Know. And their relationships are not real. And so it feels disingenuous. They aren't in actual relationships that we can see in the show where we see them in a marriage that's struggling or, you know, like Ramona won't let us No, but she, I know she's like going to do stuff and production to me has let her get away with it for too long where she gets to leave and she doesn't tell them where, and she does what she wants. And she just leaves the party early because she quote unquote was uncomfortable or had vertigo or whatever. Like girl, I've been watching you leave things for years. And the only difference was then there were other things going on for us to invest in on the screen that we didn't care about Ramona. But I've had enough people DM me and be like, you know, everything else aside, I don't even care about Ramona's scenes anymore. I don't care. Like there's nothing there. And I don't even like Avery. I don't like the girl, but we're not even dealing with her family. We're not talking about anything like Luann's daughter comes to the Hamptons weeks ago and we don't even we're not even involved with that like there's nothing for us to really invest in yeah. I yeah. like Bershawn and I like Ebony and I even would give Leah a chance because they're new at this point I'm like at least there's something new for us to yeah. talk about and I think that that goes to show we can't keep doing one person at a time we have to either I think everyone should do a three-year stint I think three years that's it. Because afterwards it gets stale. We know everything about your kids. We see them grow up, all that. Don't care. Yeah. I mean, unless you're in like a, you know, a, a major scandal that turns into a Hulu documentary, then I'm interested. Right. Or unless you get arrested on season. TV. Yeah. And by the your husband yeah. gets arrested and um, someone gets deported. Like, I'm here for that. 
Yeah. Give me that full story arc that we can ride all the way out, which even when it comes to like, since we lightly referenced Teresa, even with Teresa, like, I feel like this could have been her last season. Like now we know she's found love again after going through all her legal drama. Yes. I'm good with her. Thank you next. You know what I mean? Like, but we need to see the full story story arc and then see them move on. I feel like we got that with Ramona already. We saw her go through her divorce and come back on top and whatever. She's fine in her life. We've seen it with Luann. She got her cabaret and she was fine with her life that like at some point we need to know when the story ends and they you know make a pivot elsewhere yes I mean it can't just be that they look good that can't be the only um storyline that you have because I'm sorry shallow for me maybe to say but that's a requirement for me I need you to look good because you are the aspirational tv you have the money and I love the whole mantra of you're not ugly you're just poor because it makes me know that as soon as I get a couple extra coins I bet you can look whatever she wants to look like and yeah. I'm interested in that show yeah. me that so the Luann's whole storyline can't be the yoga man's you know the, my yoga instructor who I'm like fucking right now and he makes great food which what I don't know if I would tr- I'm not trusting a Garth to make me lamb curry I'm sorry I'm no. not getting my curry from Garth. Also, like, why is Luann dating her yoga instructor? Like she can't find an eligible bachelor in New York that, you know, can she cheat on her like needed, mom? Yeah. <laughs> I think that we're done with the, the the OGs. I think they need to maybe rotate them out. Maybe like one comes yeah. back every other season or something yeah. because I'm having and a new full time. Yeah, I'm fine with not full time because I'm hearing a lot of... Um, OC talk about Tamara coming towards the end of the season and I'm now very excited for Heather because she's been gone for years and I just rewatched some of her best seasons where I'm watching I just finished in a day the the whole Brooks cancer scam the whole thing and the whole idea of like I'm hearing a story that my husband came and gave you an IV in the middle of the night and that did not happen. Like I'm, I'm getting excited again. And if you want to go back and do a research from before, it's make, I have not thought I would be excited to watch OC probably since that season, like the season before Kelly Don came. Like, I feel like that's the last time that I enjoyed watching OC because I was like, what the hell is going to happen? Megan yeah. would let everybody talk in the room and then go, I called them. I, I, I researched it. I already called. And I'm like, what is going to happen? Now I'm like, what is going to happen? And they've also shook up the cast. They got rid of three. They're bringing in three. There's like, there's newness there. But the only difference is now I don't care about these other people who used to who are already there. I don't care. I don't care. I don't want to see a casita. I don't want to see, you know, Shane, the, the twerp who's funny, but like, I don't care if he's great and lovable now. I don't care. I want new. I want to see money again. I want to see that. Yeah. And I even want it on New York. I don't, I've always been fine that New York is not the all, like they're all not married for one period of time. Every single person was not married. And that was fine for me. But they had money, they had something. There was kids there, they were doing something. Now there's nothing there. So I almost feel like, how do we continue? What do we, what what does it need to look like next season? I also feel like with New York, we don't get to see 
like at least on Beverly Hills, we see fashion and we see real mm-hmm. estate. You know what I mean? Like when we see jets and we see vacations with New York, we don't get any of that. Like there's nothing aspirational about Ramona, Luann, Sonia. Like Sonia's life is fucking depressing. I don't want to look like that in, in 40, know. 50, 60, 80 years. You are not lying. <laughs> Like, and Leah, like, I like what I do like about Leah, not her personally, but at least her role on the show is she is a little younger and she's a hustler and she has a business and she's building it. And she has that New York City grit that she's trying to grind. We see none of that this season. None of that. Again, a reason why I like Ebony is because I feel like if they would just give her a chance, audience included, and understood why she feels the need to speak. I even had some very lovely white women DM me and say, I I don't like the narrative that we wouldn't care. I think they may not care, but a lot of us would care to know that because we don't know. And I get that because Ramona continuously contradicts herself because she says, I don't really want to be educated. I like to be exposed and learn new things. I'm like, do you understand that's what education means? Mm -hmm. That's literally what you're talking about. What you just described is being educated being exposed to new things and learning from them. That is what she did. That's what the, that's, I don't think you knew anything about Harlem before you had that conversation or had that dinner that night. So yeah. I can imagine why she would do that. But then if they would just push past the fact that she needs to establish this because she's the first person on this show. She knows she has this role. She knows why she was cast in the same with Garcota. They know that they're, they're, they're being tokenized in a sense of like, hey, look, we're doing the diversity thing. And she has to basically kind of show that they're not a monolith and she doesn't speak for everyone. And then we also get her beautiful apartment. She has money and she's a little bit shallow. She's kind of petty and she has nice clothes. And I'm like, okay, so you deserve to be here. Like you're allowed to be here. So the narrative of we don't care because we don't know you. Well, honey, this is how you get to know them. You can't meet me at the Kiki if you don't understand who I am as an individual and just say that you won't care about what I go through until you care about me. Yeah. I feel like (laughs) if the women just gave her space, we could have gotten through a lot of the, the bulk of the conversation that she's trying to have with Ramona. Like if a Ramona would have just sat down and been like, let me hear where you're, you know, let me get to know you then we as the audience would have been able to get to know her as well and moved through a lot of these blockages that we're facing with Ebony and the uh, the women because I mean even I feel like even Luann and Sonia well I I don't know how I feel about Sonia and her role in this season but even yeah. like Luann I feel like not a lot of people are giving Ebony the space to introduce herself or to get yes. to know her so we don't so we haven't gotten to get to know her and so it is fatiguing because it feels like oh we're just having the same conversation over and over and over again mm-hmm. but it's because that's the she's being pushed into this corner and we're not letting her move beyond that on the show right they're very scared and you can sense the fear that they have of you know having to say if they say they're anti-racist they are probably pissing off someone in their life 
yeah. they'll probably not be able to stand up to someone in their life. And they're afraid of that. And it's why whenever I get on my soapbox on Instagram stories or, or whatever, I always say, don't work out your insecurities on if you're racist or not with me, girl. I don't care. It doesn't affect me because we're literally all taught to exp expect it at most points of our life. Take it to your aunties and your uncles at the dinner table at Thanksgiving and Christmas, because that is where the debate actually will matter, because there is enough people who balance and bargain with it and treat racism like there's a gray area, which I'm sorry, but to that Black woman, there should not be a gray area because it's her life that would be impacted by where you fall on that line. So it's like the same thing that happened with childcare. If you have kids and someone who doesn't have kids is like, well, I think that you're allowed to like leave your kid in a party or you're allowed to like leave them with a stranger or whatever. You're like, okay, you may not understand because you don't have kids, but child safety for me is of utmost importance. And I'm simplifying it on the, the, the lowest possible of terms, but like there is no gray area to a parent on how safe their kid is. It is yeah. simply what they expect and require for the safety of their child and what you can accommodate. And if you cannot accommodate, you're not the person to be around your child, yep. period. Like they're not gonna go, oh, okay, well, my kid's allergic to peanuts and you're saying you still wanna eat peanuts anyway. So maybe they could just figure it out. Like, I'm sure they'll be fine. They're gonna be like, you can't be around my kid. Like, it's just one or the other. There's no gray area when it comes to people that they care about and children and things like that. So why is there a gray area on this woman's life, her career, or the way she's had to be and navigate the world? And I, I don't know how I feel about Sonia this season either because there are moments where she says it and she's nail on the head. You know, a couple of weeks ago when she was the meme or whatever, she was like, you have to read, be uncomfortable, read the page, and then we can move forward. I'm like, nail on the head. But then sometimes I'm, like, I'm looking at it, this is like, you're, I did agree that she was stirring the cauldron a little bit because she was like trying to let everyone know, by the way, these women want nothing to do with what you think and what you say. And just know, guys, she is actually better than just talking about race because we went and had girl talk. And if you would just listen to her, she would talk to you about girl talk too. And Ebony's like, you have to understand, I can't separate the two. It's simply who she is. She can't change her color. If she could trust me, honey, if, if, if I could, I would be absolutely a 40-year-old white woman named Karen, specifically Karen. I would. And I would want to prove that everyone's not that way, a certain way. I would want to be like, listen, I'm in the Whole Foods and I'm not causing a ruckus, but I do get what I want. Like, give me the organic produce. But yeah. like, it's something you can't separate. So telling her how Black she can be and what her Blackness should be and how it makes them comfortable, doesn't. it's not fair because no one's ever said to Ramona, well, your this makes me uncomfortable. Luann, your horniness makes me uncomfortable. They get to fight about it and, get have, and fuck whoever they want. It's, yeah. a, it's a whole, it's a joke. It's fun for them. But like Ebony, like there's multiple facets to me the way there's multiple facets to you. And I've said many times, we've always got to see the complexity that is the white woman experience. It is what housewives is. That is what it is. Beverly Hills and OC are in the same state and they are not even far enough apart to where they could have totally different experiences. And we still get to see all white up until Garcelle and Crystal cast of both experience life totally differently and no one bats an eye. And I'm like, okay, if I can accept that, you can accept Ebony and Brashawn having two different experiences coming on the show and exposing people to two different experiences without calling them teachy and preachy because you don't get it. Yeah. You're not supposed to get it. That's why they're telling you and educating you. But Ebony is 
a, to me, a, 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 she has a lot of potential as a housewife. Like yeah. I looked at that apartment and said, oh, we've been at this kind of money in a while. And she's employed. And she was open about her tax struggles and credit and things and literally was like, I really did kind of pull myself up by the bootstraps. Like this was not made or this wasn't like born, it was made. And she's also beautiful and she takes, she does glam. She's bringing glam to Roni. When have we seen glam on Roni? Have we ever? No. I don't think we have. So I think that she's doing an amazing job. I even like Vershawn, like getting everybody to be like, you know, are you going to get a, t- a tattoo? Because just last year, they were like, what is a tattoo? Oh, my God. Get it away from me. Yeah, they and, were afraid of Leah with her tattoos. Right. What do you think about their, about Leah this season? Some people are saying that she's very, um, she's she's having not a great second season. I do feel like there might be some um, struggle with her of, like, everyone's treating, no one's treating Ebony the same way that they're, that, that they treated Leah. And I almost feel like she's a little upset about it. And she's like trying to push like, well then you, her all her feelings from last year now into this conversation of like, no, you don't get to skate around who you really are. I'm gonna call it out. And this is exactly how you feel because you treated me this way. There is something happening there. I feel like Leah is having a really rough season. She's having the season Dorinda had last year. You know what I mean? Dorinda was going through something and it was coming out in these emotional like outbursts and these like crazy moments. And I think Leah is Mm -hmm. going through that in the same way. She lost her grandmother who she was very close to. And I think that was, that is very taxing on her. And I think it's part of the reason we see her inserting herself into the Ebony stuff. The reason we see her pulling up articles with Heather and trying to cause and stir the pot there. I think it's because she's trying to avoid whatever it is she's going through by manufacturing or, you know, trying to self-produce to the point where it's becoming fatiguing for the audience. Like it's just, she's going through something and she doesn't want to deal with it the same way Dorinda was going through something and didn't want to deal with it. So they're trying to just be a part of the show without actually going through the emotions that they're feeling inside. And so it's just not translating. I'm not, not enjoying her this season. I'm not enjoying her this season at all. I think it's just, yeah. she's because it's she's not being herself. I think and that's obvious. And I just, she's trying too hard to push storylines and to create and to push conversations. And none of it is really involving her. Right, I, I, I agree. I think that she's inserting herself a little bit in places where it doesn't really make sense. And I think she means well, but I also think it's misdirected energy because she has so much bottled up pent up emotion and energy that she feels like she now has to crusade it and be like, oh, well, you're coming for my girl. So now I'm going to come after you where Ebony doesn't need any help. None of them really need help. And that's the whole point. And she's like, has to put it somewhere because she's truly feeling a lot of things. And I, I, I feel for her. Um, the only thing is I've seen Ramona give her a lot of grace and stuff on social media and be like, she's going through a lot. Give her some grace, give her some time. I wonder if she's going to extend that same kind of grace to Ebony, especially come reunion. You know what I mean? Like, because um, there's something there that I'm like, Ebony keeps working on Ramona as if she sees potential in her that I just simply don't see. And that's because yeah. I've never really loved Ramona. Um, so I'm like, you, I'll trust you, girl. But 
to me, it's Ramona doesn't listen. And I don't know if she has the, doesn't have the capability of listening, but Ebony says, I spoke about these things because I wanted to make it known, you know, where I stand on these things and see who I was hanging out with and whether or not you were okay with buzzword to some white supremacy. Ramona hears, where is she getting that we're white supremacists? I don't like what she's accusing me of. I'm like, is a hit dog hollering? Because I don't, she didn't, like, I rewound it. Like, did I miss something? Did they edit out something? She was simply explaining her intent when she first got on the show. And then she's really trying to wrap it up. She'd like to not keep going. She took a whole woman to a matchmaker to not do that. But they're like, what? Us? Are you serious? When she's just saying she was trying to fill the room. Like that was her point. She wanted to know what she was walking into. And obviously she's semi-satisfied with the result because she stayed. But you hearing something else lets me know that there's something else you were you were trying to hear. You're trying to defend something there. Right. And that got nothing to do with Ebony. That's between you and your God or viewers or anybody else. That has nothing to do with Ebony. So I, I would hope to see them level out some grace because I think that they have some kind of friendship there, which I also think is somehow a little triggering to Leah because I think she genuinely expected of all. I think she probably warned Ebony the most about Ramona. And now Ramona is like, she's treating Ebony like she has the most to prove. So she's like actually trying to connect with her in a way that only Ramona can because Ramona is not, she's not a, for someone who has so many friends, I don't find her to be very much a girl's girl. But um, did you hear her acknowledge this episode that she has a lot of surface level friends? She was like, no, I have a lot of girlfriends, but they're, they're kind of shallow relationships. I was like, I'm glad you noticed that. Finally. Nobody has 60 BFFs, girl. No. No. No one has 60 people they can call when someone dies in their family or who could get them in the middle of the night to make sure they're okay or when they're getting a divorce. Uh-uh. No. You do not have a 60-person group chat. The phone would freeze. Right. It would freeze. <laughs> Shall we move on to Beverly Hills where there is actually yes. some, some things happening? Who knew? Who knew Beverly Hills would be the one this season to actually give us something after being born for like so many years? See, I'm an uh, OG Beverly Hills lover. Like that is my okay. ultimate show forever. So, I mean, I'm happy to see everybody else finally get on board with loving Beverly Hills, but I love it for, you know, everything that it is and everything that it isn't. I love it for the slut pigs just as much as I love it for the panty gates. Okay. Wow. That's good. So Lucy, Lucy, Apple Juicy, you were okay with that season. I mean, it was I, tough. it's not okay. If I have to rank my seasons, it's that wasn't the season at the top okay. of the list, you know, but we have to have a, a lull season to get to the good ones. I did love the Lisa Vanderpump versus Kyle Richards episode fight. I mean, goodbye, Kyle is forever ingrained in my memory. Yeah. Do you um, have love for both or are you strictly one over the other? For what do you Lisa mean? Lisa and Kyle. Oh, Lisa and Kyle. Um, in the verses of all verses. <sighs> I mean, like as a person, I love Kyle better just because I feel like she has so many dimensions to her that we that so many people don't give her credit for. But then from the show perspective, I think Lisa Vanderpump brings a little bit like she, yes, is a producer. Mm -hmm. And she has a producer brain and she does manufacture certain things, but it's because she knows how to push certain storylines and how to, you know, actually 
accomplish the show and make it good. I agree. I think that um, I never thought of it that way. I don't like Kyle on the show usually, but I give her credit for having a level of complexity that I was not expecting. This season, especially, she's doing producer role actually quite well. But yeah. also when she had that conversation with Garcelle, I feel like she actually course corrected a lot faster than I, not that I expected any different of her. I don't find Kyle to be, um, in my mind, a problematic, someone I would be concerned about being problematic. I think Garcelle was able to have that conversation with her because she genuinely thought that Kyle could handle it. Um, and I was excited to see her be proven right about that. I think Kyle is probably someone I would have less fear of about that than Lisa Vanderpump would not have been able to have that conversation well, right. in my opinion. Um, but I like Lisa better for the show. But I will say, I will give Kyle time after all these years of me not liking her, I will give her a chance because this episode, the girl was producing. Not her sliding to the end of the table and being like, what's wrong with you? Are you okay? No, that's not it. Something else is going on. Let's go over here. Let's make sure your mic is on. I'm like, cameras. oh yeah, she's, she's doing it. She's like, you know what they're talking. This is probably going to get picked up, meaning it may not make it to air. Let's make sure there's no static and they can hear you clearly in the control room. Let's yeah. go get a drink. Now, what's really going on, sweetie? I was like, oh, Kyle. <laughs> okay. All right. So it, this episode is great. You've done a lot of coverage about Erica Jane and the whole situation. What are your thoughts about this season, the way producers are choosing to um, showcase her divorce as this like Phoenix rising from the ashes, a Phoenix who burned her own house down and is rising from the ashes as someone who had no other choice but to divorce because she was in a loveless marriage that she married into for 20 years and knew she was in a loveless marriage this whole time and is now emerging as this goddess who must start over from the very bottom of a multi-thousand square foot house that costs $10,000 a month and only has three bedrooms. <laughs> I think that, you know, one thing that I always try to remind viewers of is we're so far ahead of the storyline. You right. know, in the at the time that they're filming all of this and that they're building the storyline, the scandal hasn't broken out into the press just yet. That's coming in next week's episode. So a lot of the things, so I think a lot of the producers and especially the women really believe this story that Erica's telling. And I think the producers are letting her tell her story until the story finally gets taken away from her in the coming weeks when we see the scandal break and we see shook Erica really kind of come to life. Right. <laughs> Now she can't, whether like what she knew, how much she knew, whether or not she knew all the questions that are up in the air, like those can't be avoided anymore because now it's here. We're in the middle of the season. It's being filmed. It's breaking in live time. We have cameras that are capturing all of it in real time. So yeah. the coming episodes are going to be the most telling, but I'm having a little, like you could tell that the producers coming into this season were a little shady. They're showing all of her stuff. They're showing her closets and all of her, you know, merch that she has that, you know, is very, it's expensive to be me. Eh, eh, eh. We see Mike, eh, we, eh. see, we see the art, like they're giving us all of that, which I think is a little bit of like their foreshadowing and kind of like that Bravo wink as Brian okay. Moylan would give us. We got the shadiness at the beginning, even when they were cutting the scenes with her and they were playing, it's expensive to be me while she's in her leather dress because they they never play housewives, actual songs in those transition scenes. So I think there were 
little shady nods from the producers that are possibly foreshadowing of what's to come. But I think with where we're at currently, they're working with what they've been given. And this is in that point in time where the storyline was. She was playing this role of like, I you know, loved my husband and I had to file for divorce and I had to build myself up again. Is it a little tone deaf and out of touch to be like, I had to build myself <laughs> up again you know, during 2020? when a lot of us really did have to build ourselves back up again. Some you know, still building or not built at all. Yeah. They're still in demolition because yeah. it was a year. And for her to say the words, I'm pulling myself up by the bootstraps. And I gasped audibly then. And then I yelped audibly when everyone kept calling her house cute at $9,500 a month. Yeah, that is people's business rents, like their businesses, the rents for their business, their mortgages for their business offices aren't that much. And they are struggling to pay that during this time. I don't know who was supposed to feel bad for you. And she's like, I I only have three rooms. So two of them are my closets and have to be squished into the third one. I'm like, I'm sorry. Question mark. Because she, you know, Granted, yes, there is like an element of privilege and she, you know, didn't come from like nothing, nothing, but she still had, she was a young single woman that, you know, had a life that was built and became a lot more wealthy than what she was accustomed to. So as somebody that knows what it means to be broke, it is so kind of funny to see her kind of be like, oh, you know, I've I've fallen from grace because I don't have full-time help anymore. Yeah, she's like, I'm doing the laundry myself. I'm washing the dishes. And I'm like, I'd expect this from Kathy. Like if Kathy was you know, going through a divorce or something, this rhetoric from her, I would understand because even if Kathy did not always have money, Paris Hilton is 40 years old. So she's yeah. been wealthy for four decades minimum. Yeah. And now... If to, to switch that way would be like insane for her. She's out of touch. She doesn't know what words mean. Like she truly has no idea where anything comes from. She doesn't have to do it. That's why she's so like gung-ho and excited to do like little things like go on a girl's trip. She really thinks she's doing her her, her sister a favor and like slumming it on the show. And for that, I'm, I'm grateful. I love that for her. She's like lending her tennis court as a film, like a, a filming lot. Like she's letting it be like, oh yeah, yeah. You can use my tennis court. And she's there. She's like, I don't need to be there for that. You can just have it. Like, I don't care. And I love that for her. But for Erica, I'm like, you are not that. 20 years is a long time, but it's not an insane amount of time where you don't understand what an apartment means. And then she has to run down all her businesses that she still has and everything. She noticeably did not mention Fenty because that's over, as we learned today. Uh, Well, I, I suspected that for a while. Because yeah. um, she untagged everything a long time ago. And now it's like Whitney Rose or whatever on in Salt Lake City. But she has done her two-faced collab, which I didn't see that in Ulta recently. Um, that was limited. And then her shoe dazzle, I think, or just five, one of them, whatever the lower end one usually is. Um, she's on that one. And she has um other ventures. She has her tours and Broadway and everything. So she's letting the girls know I have money. And I'm like, oh, that's funny because they're gonna they're gonna ask for it. As of this week, they're gonna be like, hey, girl, would love some. You said you have it. We saw it. How? What do you think this will do? Like this, 
do you think Erica is at home shaking about these episodes now because of how much is exposed and what it looks like and everything? She, we know her social media, she's not showing any kind of remorse. She just said the Ice Queen can take it or whatever. And they basically were like, we can come for your money. She was like, I don't give a fuck. And um, so there's no remorse. Read the room. She won't do it. But do you think she's shaking at all, seeing how much is exposed on the show and now what is basically admissible, probably? I think she's shaking not just with what's on with with what's on the show, but I think she's shaking just in general. You know, I think she is putting on this front of like, I don't give a shit. I'm the ice queen. You know, I can take it. And I think that's probably her defense mechanism. I think mm-hmm. that's always been her defense mechanism. I interestingly decided to go and listen to her audiobook and take notes about like what she said prior and compare that to like, what is the narrative oh, she's research. painting on the show. And so I'm, yes, I'm a real journalist, Monty. Yeah, apparently. <laughs> a real journalist without a college degree, but a real okay. one. Not the- it, it's fine. It's fine. I, I, yeah, I, I'm building myself from up from the bootstraps. I'm building my skinny girl <laughs> empire. So um, it's interesting to see that like she really, that always kind of had to be her defense mechanism since a very young kid is to be cold and to be strong and to be tough and to kind of like, you know, not show all her cards. Right. So I think that's just, I think on the inside, she is rattled and shaking and knowing that like this is all going to come down on her at some point. And it, yeah. and it is, you know, we, we saw the judgment this week that came that, you know, the judge said that the victims are allowed to pursue the money from her if they can't get it from Tom. So I think it's and really, there's nothing there. No, there's nothing there. I mean, they've already taken the house and the, the business, the, the building has business used to be in and everything in the home for the most part like they're trying to liquidate everything but I mean I don't think there's going to be enough to to fork out so their next best shot is to go after Erica and I think she knows that but it just Mm -hmm. I don't know it's it's a really interesting strategy that she's playing here do you feel bad for her having to give up so much of her own things at this point and the judgment basically coming in that she um, if she can be held responsible for all these things. I don't feel bad for her having to be responsible for paying certain things back. I think even somewhere inside of her, she knows it's the right thing to do considering like, yes, these things are hers. But once you realize that this was given to you on blood money at some point in good faith, you're kind of like, I don't even need or want this. Let me just take my housewife's money, take my book royalties, take my music residuals, all three pennies of them and go and build a life for myself somewhere else. Um, So, and I think the reason she's not doing that is because legally, like from a legal standpoint, if she were to even say, I'm sorry, or have any sort of ounce of admission of guilt and she, and, she knows that her legal team knows that. So I think that's why we're not getting an acknowledgement of the victims, but for her to constantly be flashing her wealth and to be, you know, kind of acting like business. It's one thing to act as business as usual. It's another thing to take it that next level and flaunt everything that you have. So it's, it's dicey. There's private checks this week and there's a lot of um, money and um, means and, yeah, she can't necessarily show um, remorse or regret because that is 
yet her admitting it and be able to take it. But it looks like the judge don't even care about that because they're giving it away anyway. Um, but at the same time, she's profited off of this enough and for long enough that it's, to me, I feel zero bad for her if people have to come and get it from her because she's profited off of it. We would not even know who she was to be on this show if it wasn't for what was taken from other people and given to Tom or given to her from Tom, taking from these people. So I don't feel bad because she's profited off of it for 20 years, whereas these people have been suffering for that amount of time or less or more uh, or at all. So yeah, don't feel bad for her because you've got to have fun with your money. And there are people feel- who are literally in pain for it. Yeah, I don't feel bad for her having to be held responsible, but I guess on like some human level, and I was having this conversation with some of like my podcast listeners that reached out and they were like, oh, you know, I feel bad for like her going through a divorce. And I'm like, it's possible to be like a a basic human being and have empathy for a woman that has lost who she thought was the love of her life or her husband. Like, it's one thing to be oh, like, I feel that bad. that was the love of her life. Okay. I don't think that that, no, I don't think that that was the love of her life. I don't. <laughs> Listen, just I am not judging. I'm simply but she was married for No, no. She, but she was married for 20 years. That like going through a divorce is, is emotionally painful. And it's one thing to have it's empathy for yeah. somebody to be like, that person is emotionally hurting right now. And you can have the same time. I mean, I have 20 times more empathy for the victims that Tom ripped off, but you know, you can mm-hmm. still throw a crumb to Erica just for going through the emotional turmoil that she's going through. But I do think she needs to be held accountable and should have to pay some of that money back because that money came from where it came from and it's going to need to kind of go back. And not only that, but like your husband used a legal loophole that he thought he was going to get away from by writing these off as loans to your company. And now guess what? If it's written off as a loan, that means it can be collected back. And that's what they're trying to do. They're trying to collect the loan that's due to his company to pay off the victims. And so, you know, it's the loophole your husband thought he was going to get away from. And now, you know, it it came back to bite him because he didn't think it would, he would, it would come back to bite him. And now it has. And that's just, that's, that's too bad. It really is. But yeah, I agree. I do. So sad. Yeah. I know that she was in a loveless marriage. I do believe that in a lot of respect, she knew that going into it and throughout it. So I don't feel bad for her now. I actually feel like she gave it up because there was now no longer anything she could get out of it. So that's why going through the divorce, I'm like, okay. I mean, it was a, it was the trigger she pulled because again, I think she thought there was nothing left for her there because at least she was staying for the money. Now there's not even that. So why am I being disrespected and, you know, being treated poorly? Because Tom, yeah, he probably was a shitty husband and they probably were in a shitty marriage and she, but she was getting something out of it. So I understand if you, if there's nothing left to get, leave. However, do not do it on the backs of people who genuinely did not ask for this or were looking for help and yeah. looking for guidance and anytime your lawyer has a private plane just question where it's coming from that's all i'm saying I'm well saying i mean it's now impossible. We that we've now even found out that he doesn't his plane his private plane was never his he was uh time sharing it with like 18 other people of course he was of course he was like his um, whole his whole image was just like all smoke and mirrors oh yeah i mean that makes total sense because um, I've had people who said they went to Erica Jane's shows and who was at one of them that was filmed for uh, the sh- uh, for Beverly Hills and they were like, there was nobody there. It was like maybe like yeah. 100 people and the place holds like 300 and it was like halfway full and it was a small venue. 
So I'm not shocked at all about smoking mirrors. They're very good at that. It's what lawyers sometimes have to do. Um, we must conclude on this, this tragic saga of... Of Crystal's leather pants. <laughs> I was going to say violate gate because <laughs> viol, viol gate or something like that, because we all know what happened and we'll start from the end and work our way back. Sutton and Crystal are still arguing about the word violate. I have never once respected a housewife more than watching Crystal chuckle in this woman's face when she goes, what play, crazy planet do you live on? She goes, not yours. And I'm like, LOL. And she goes, well, I think Sutton wants an apology. And normally people will just skate around the apology. Crystal just goes, no. And I was like, they, no one was expecting that in the room. I cackled. I was like, oh, <laughs> guess that's over with. <laughs> so let's just shut it down now because it's not happening. And I was like, well, that's it. That's, that, that was fun for me. But they're fighting about this word violate. Crystal's not taking it back and she's not apologizing for it. Sutton's like, it's out there now. And Crystal's like, I know, I put it out there and I do it again. And so she's like, look it up. Sutton's like, say you're sorry. And she's like, you're just jealous. And I know exactly what it is that she means by that. And she doesn't go any further because so does Sutton. And Sutton is like, that was a low blow. And my fiance goes, wait, that was a low blow? And I'm like, yeah, I think Sutton understood. She means like, I'm married with children and successful and I have money, but I'm not even, I'm happy. And you're not happy. You're rich and sad, like literally sad inside. And, and she's like, that was a low blow. You know, I'm struggling right now, basically. And what am I jealous of? Your ugly leather pants and the ugliest dress I've ever seen. Yeah. I mean, all of Sutton's fashion is pretty ugly. It's crazy that she even thought she could criticize someone else's clothes. Like, even if Crystal's pants were ugly. Which I don't think rich. they are. I actually no, think they're, they're kind of cute. It was an idea. Yeah, right? Um, no, I just, I can't, like, yeah, I, I don't, I think there is a little, like, Sutton is a little jealous of Crystal's life. I think she's jealous of all of their lives. Um, because are I they all- I don't know why. I think because they all seem settled. And I mean, I guess- with exception for like Garcelle and Erica, like the other women seem pretty, I mean, even though like Erica's pointing up a front of like, even though I'm going through a divorce and it's hard, like I'm still content with where I am in my life. And yeah. I think we all have this like sense of peace with where they're at, whether it's true or just a facade, they have that conviction that Sutton just doesn't have. And I think Sutton feels left out of the group. And a couple of people have DM'd me saying that they think that Sutton was really feeling badly that nobody asked her to go in on a gift for uh, Garcelle. I was going to say, I think Sutton is insecure about not being a girl's girl. Yeah. And I know that because her default response to Crystal is consistently, I can't have violated you because the night before I was naked and Kathy walked in on me and that's what you do on sleepovers. I don't think this woman was ever invited to a lot of things growing up. I don't think she was the fun, pretty, uh, you know, homecoming queen or the girl's girl, or even just the girl with a lot of friends. I don't think she was. I think her only personality trait is that she had ended up marrying well and it was pretty enough to do that and did the Southern Belle thing and was a socialite and only had friends really because she married well and because yeah. she had good money and things. Um, and, and that is her personality trait. And there's nothing yeah. wrong with that. I mean, she's in the right arena and it's housewives and it's Beverly Hills, so it's fine. But I think she's like, 
how could I have violated you and this get me in so much hot water when I'm literally imitating what I saw the other day? I get this a lot with kids that I work with, especially kids that I have to socialize for being some kind of neurodiverse or just simply being like, especially this year, all of my kids in summer camp are so young that they've almost never been in school before because they were born into a whole goddamn pandemic. Like I have three-year-olds who for a year and a half have been inside the house. So they're like, there's a lot of people here and I don't know what to do with this. I've known mommy and daddy and that's it. So they're crying every morning because they're like, I'm here with 12 other kids and I think I'm just going to get like left here, but they don't know. So they're doing things that they see other kids do. But when I tell them, hey, don't do that, they're like, but, but they just did it. How can I be in trouble for the same thing when I just saw it happen? And they don't understand context and things like that. And how Crystal was saying that it's not that what you did was wrong because I was naked. It's that I was crouched. It visibly looked like I didn't want anyone to come in and you proceeded to question it and yeah. then leave. Whereas most people would be like, oh, and creep the door back and be like, is it okay if I come in? Or just like, I mean, I wait for the answer. I also just don't like to visit people, period, because of these type of things. I can be very awkward and I don't like that. And I think that Sutton is like, insecure and a little bit like frazzled by the word awkward and being crazy because I think she's been called this so many times before and now being in a situation where she's in a fight with another woman because she's not a girl's girl and it's awkward and it's, it's coming off you know a certain way it's making her go like insane about it but it's definitely because everyone brought her friend a gift and she did not Though producers, as you said, were shady as hell because they flashed back to her being in on the conversation. She was definitely told about it. And she's like, everyone brought a gift and I didn't bring a gift. And you see the shutdown. It happens quickly. And they got her nice gifts. And Carcel's not making a big deal about it. And no one else is. But enter Kyle. <laughs> and I've never in my life liked Kyle on TV before. But she was like, I'm going to slide down there. And she didn't even have to be told. I genuinely think she clocked it and was like, something's brewing over there. Mm -hmm. She's been doing it long that. enough. She knows. Oh, yeah. Oh. She, she's, she's earning that new Queen B title that Erica gave her prematurely two years ago. At the yeah. Like, when she went down there, she's like, I, what's going on? And Sutton's like, it's, I just, it's my last night with my kids. And I just, I'm really tired. And I don't have to be around people that I don't like. Crystal is not giving him the time of day the entire time. It had nothing to do with that. It simply was about her feeling left out again and the, the cool girls not inviting her, even though she's at the table, it doesn't feel enough. She's the catty herring of the group and me. Mm -hmm. She was invited out of pity, it feels like, to her. And now she's like, I don't really know how to assimilate into this group. But didn't anyone tell you, honey, you're supposed to do a bomb-ass makeover and then kick out the queen bee and then assume her position and get her hit by a bus mm -hmm. that's what you do mm -hmm. r-a-p l-v-p <laughs> exactly like i i feel bad for her but my question was where why didn't we go anywhere with this whole birkin party idea because didn't garcel say, say she wanted a birkin party but no one bought a birkin everyone bought kelly bags they there was something about a birkin that that they couldn't do Lisa Rinna said it. She was like, because of the pandemic, we couldn't do our original idea and concept. 
And I don't know, they kind of like didn't really fully address that. Right. But don't they all like have at least a burden? Like at least Yeah, I'm sure they all four in the group. Yeah, I'm sure they all have we know Dorit has one, Kyle has one, Erica has one. No, Crystal has one. They made a big deal yeah, out of it. We know Crystal has one. And Kathy probably has a mini showroom in her house. But she can lend out the others too. Yeah, she could look at they have like a party like, you know, pay, play past the Birkin, like hot potato or something, or musical Birkins or something. There you go. But like for everyone to bring a Kelly bag, it made me laugh because people were like, um, I think someone posted like count the Birkins in this post or something. And I was like, zero. I don't know your bags. I mean, just me. I'm pretentious like that. A little bit like Harry Hamlin. What's your read on Harry? Do you enjoy Harry being on the show as much? A lot of people get very excited about him. I find Rena to almost like shrink when he's around. So I don't really care like when he's there, but I find him to be a little pretentious, but I don't know if I dislike it. I don't, I wouldn't say that I love it, but I guess it, well, Actually, I don't enjoy it because I fast forward all Harry Hamlin scenes. Oh, you do? So you were not into the Bolognese? No, I thought it was fucking boring. I don't give a shit about his garden. I don't, you know, like get me, like talk to me more (laughs) about, you know, his boyfriend in Canada that he allegedly has. Ooh, okay. (laughs) His his camping trips he's always going on. Yeah, on his camping trips. That's funny. They're pitching each other's tents. And lastly, do you think that Rena is enjoying the attention of the Amelia Scott situation? Because I'm getting from Harry, please do not bring up that my young daughter is dating a married man <laughs> or a, a, a dad of many children who's not married, but is older enough, but he could have been in divorce by now. And Rena's like, so, you know, my daughter's dating Scott, you know, Disick, Courtney Kardashian's working, if you didn't know. And we're just, we're going through it as a family. Please keep us in your family, in your prayers. That's Amelia and Scott, S-C-O-T-T-D-I-S-I-C-K. Did you get it? Okay, great. Put it on your prayer list, girl. Like, oh, we're just so, it's so hard on us and our family. And they're going to Cabo without Scott, who she's dating, if you didn't know. Who is the boyfriend? It used to be the boyfriend of Courtney Kardashian, but man, oh man, is it difficult. Haven't met him yet, but we talked on the phone a few times, me and Scott. Diss it if you didn't know. You forgot the part where she mentioned that she thought about texting Chris Jenner. Yeah, she's like, do I text her? I'm like, do you have her number? Like, <laughs> right? Like, like, I don't think you have her number, at least not at the point where you feel you can like use it. And what's crazy to me is that Kyle is even asking Rena all these questions, and Kyle and Chris are like BFS. And I'm surprised Rena hasn't brought that up. That's funny to me. I know. I think Lisa Rinna is secretly, and I think everybody knows, like she's secretly loving it and wants to talk about it more. Like I caught the moment which they played in the trailer and then it came out in last week's episode or maybe the episode before that, where they're in the cabin, which by the way is the same cabin from Keeping Up with the Kardashians, which is a side note. So they're in the cabin and she's on FaceTime with Amelia Gray and... Amelia is talking to Lisa Renna and then she whispers into the phone that she's with her friend, Scott. And then you can just see it in Lisa Renna's eyes. Like, oh, this is the moment you brought it up. The cameras are on me. Like I didn't bring him up. You brought him up and now it opens it up mm. because now, now this has to be a storyline and it didn't have to be a storyline, but she yeah. just, she really made it a storyline. And I think once she knows that it's great for her storyline on Beverly Hills, she knows that it's great for Amelia Gray's career. She knows that this is just going to elevate her 
celebrity status to a real celebrity status. Interesting that you that I, I do agree with you because the complete opposite happened with Sophia Richie, which I find very shocking. Um, she was dropped from a lot of things because, well, she already had a, a, a pretty established name for yeah. sure. Um, and Amelia Grape is not. Yeah. No, you know, and it's like Rena is nothing if not her own daughter's storyline, which yeah. is, drives me nuts. But yeah, I think you're right. I think that um, she, her daughter knew they were filming. I refuse to believe she didn't know they were filming. And, you know, her bringing up was like, now we can talk about it. I can say his name legally every time. Say yep. it and they can keep it in. And what is Chris going to do? Say, don't say our name on TV. We're a private family. That's, that's <laughs> right. <laughs> no, I, I think that, I mean, this is actually one that I would even think about investing into a little bit more than her daughter's eating disorder because that just feels a little bit like invasive to me. This, yeah. for some reason, who Amelia's fucking doesn't feel it's invasive. No, <laughs> especially why. when, yeah, especially when like you see them on their Instagram story, everything. her ass out, and it's just. This is TV's biggest family, and uh, notably and, and infamously, TV's biggest family's biggest star. I think yeah. Scott Disick is like equivocal to Kim Kardashian saying people could like love him equally or more than son, the other sisters. They have a favorite and they like Scott. Like that's yeah. why Scott gets so many spinoffs. No other person who's not associated with this family in history has had this many spinoffs, deals, endorsements, anything. He's kept around simply because he is likable. So, I mean, now I don't know so much, but anyways, Zach, we've come to the end of this no, it's so I can Kiki. I want to go pop my last can, but I'm not going to. I want to join you in what you're drinking and have my own. But please tell people where they can find you, listen to more of your hot takes and everything like that, and support you in this new venture. Yes. So you can follow me at Just Plain Zach. You can follow my show at No Filter with Zach. And then my podcast is called Hashtag No Filter with Zach Peter. It's available on all podcast platforms to listen to, or you can watch it on my YouTube channel, which is youtube.com slash Just Plain Zach. And you're going to want to get some of my housewives watching wine, which is available at nofilterwine.com. I love it. Thank you guys so much for listening. Um, I am back now. Had a brief hiatus. Thank you for bearing with me. The Patreon, there are things there happening. Please, um, I'm doing my happy hour recap that I had with Crystal Minkoff on the Patreon. I'm going to cover what happened, what we talked about. We were there for a very long time, and it was it was very very fun. And she reached out to me, and I'm forever grateful. She is quite a gym. We had a great time. I'm recapping all that and so much more on the Patreon. Batches on the Patreon as well. Other things. It's a t-shirt, the merch line. You know what to do to follow all those things. Social media at Mixing with Moni, M-I-X-I-N-G, W-I-T-H-M-A-N-I. As always, stay healthy. Stay happy, stay healthy, stay safe, and stay home, question mark, if you want to, like I do. So thank you. Take care of yourselves and each other. Love you. Bye. For more about me, Bravo, Housewives, Pop Culture, and so much more, follow me on Instagram at MixingWithMani, M-I-X-I-N-G-W-I-T-H-M-A-N-I, so you can keep up with me. And don't forget to also leave a quick review on Apple Podcasts, if that's where you're listening, and rate me and maybe give me five stars. Thanks so much. Bye.